Ophelia Rises. Frustrated with your pain or injury? That sucks, but I'm here to help. Hi, my name is Denise DeShutler and I'm a body worker and educator. Why is it so hard to find the care we need to feel better? Most of my clients have asked that question for years until we started working together. Now I'm gonna help you find those answers. I'll explore different health disciplines and chat with talented practitioners. We'll share our insights and practical advice to help you get the results you need to feel good again. Because seeking the right care for your health can be a pain in the arse. But with me, your wellness journey will turn into a fun-filled adventure. Buckle up, baby, for the Passionate Health Advocate Show. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining another Health Success Story episode. Health success stories are episodes where everyday people turn into their own health advocate superstar. I am here with Beth Martin. She resides in Oregon State and is a 41-year-old former executive director of the Oregon Association of Naturopathic Physicians. Her favorite book is Ramdas Teaching Yoga Sutras. For over a year, Beth has been fighting a debilitating battle with long-haul COVID-19. She received various treatments from Western and naturopathic doctors with no avail. In fact, her body was shutting down. Until one day, she tried something that is now saving her life. Today, Beth is going to share with us her incredible journey in the hope that her story can save the lives of many other long haulers. Hello, Beth. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. And I have to say thank you so much for being here today and being willing to talk with me and share your story with all our listeners. It is an absolute honor, and I'm grateful to be here to be able to tell my story. So thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So um, where would you like to start with your story and your health challenge? I think we can probably start in March of 2020. Um, we, I like to say that Rod Stewart gave me COVID. <laughs> we were, um, this was before everything was locked down and before masking. And um, we had a trip to Las Vegas for my husband's birthday party. Um, and it was just him and I, and he surprised me with tickets to go see Rod Stewart. And so we looked so fabulous in our matching outfits that or we had white suits that, um, they put us down in the front row Oh wow! <laughs> and came home. And on Friday, the 13th of March, I had my first symptoms. Mm. Um, so from March, um, 13th, that was when I think most things shut down, at least in California and Oregon and Washington, um, everything closed and, um, they were directing all, uh, personal protective equipment to the hospitals and all of the clinics had closed. Um, and that's when I first, uh, started to, I knew, I knew something was not right. I did not feel right. Um, and you know, we were just hoping it was a cold. Um, I was, because I was not in the age demographic, um, that they were specifically targeting and treating at that time. Um, I, uh, I wasn't able to get a, a COVID test for the first 60 days, uh, that How I was, many? 
60 days six that zero. I, six zero that I was symptomatic. Oh, okay. Um, so I had, um, I have this lovely little chart where I keep all of my information because for a while I didn't have any memory. Um, I had no short term, term memory at all. Um, so I had symptoms until about April 1st. Um, and then they went away for about three weeks and I was feeling fine. Um, but prior to that, during, you know, the, the Friday, the 13th through the, through April 1st, um, I, you know, had all of the telltale COVID signs, loss of, um, smell, taste, I couldn't breathe. Um, I had one day specifically where I I knew that, um, I was not doing well and I couldn't get up the stairs by myself. My husband had to carry me, um, because I, my heart rate was so fast and I couldn't catch my breath. And, um, so I, I was the, the, I'm the former executive director of, uh, an association in Oregon called the Oregon Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And so I was lucky in the fact that I had 12 bosses who were all doctors and they were kind enough to, um, once I sent up my, my alert signal of, oh, this is not going well. And I, I think I need something beyond, um, rest and Theraflu. Uh, I think I'm dying, um, and I don't want to go to the hospital because I'm afraid of what will happen if they put me on a ventilator. Uh, they all jumped right into action and, um, they were treating me in my home and, um, they were giving me ozone therapy and vitamin pushes. And, um, basically they were here, you know, every other day supplements and just making sure that I was, you know, getting all of the things that they could possibly give me, mm-hmm. um, with their limited resources because they had to turn over all of their, um, personal protective equipment over to the hospitals. Um, they were doing what they could to, to, to keep me well and keep me out of the hospital. Wow. Um, and was so this all before, um, you were diagnosed, yes. you were able to get the test. Okay. Yeah. This is all pre-diagnosis, pre-diagnosis. I had, um, and I was working full-time also. And so, um, as part of my job, it was my role to look at all the governor or governor's orders and to make sure that all of the, um, physicians clinics had the information that they needed in order to know what to do and what, if they could be open, if they could treat, you know, could they test people for COVID? Did they have a negative pressure room? And if not, then their air was recirculating and that wasn't good and those types of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, doing that while sick was very stressful on my body and my whole system. Um, but it was kind of one of those, um, times where I knew I was needed and I had to, there was no one else that could do the work that needed to be done. And so, um, I did, you just do what you have to do. Um, but I was, I was slowly sinking. Um, and then I took an antibody test that was negative. Uh, I took a second antibody test that was negative and then my symptoms started to come back, um, around April 1st uh, little bits. And then around mother's day, it was on mother's day, actually. Um, 
you know, my family had a whole thing planned and I didn't want to do anything. I couldn't really eat. I didn't, you know, I felt feverish. And then from then on, I had a fever for four months. Um, and I gradually just lost, uh, my ability to function sort of one, one system at a time. Um, so everyone's symptoms are different with long COVID. Um, you know, they were trying to rule out other things at the time. So they did test me for Epstein-Barr virus and I did test positive. So they thought that I was in an Epstein-Barr flare, um, my doctor, my my normal doctor refused to see me and wouldn't um, give me a COVID test. And um, my breathing problems came back and I knew that someone needed to look at my lungs. And so it sort of got to the point where I had to, my husband had to call and demand that I be seen um, because uh, I was so sick. And so I think just given the hyst- the hysteria that our family was feeling over my illness, um, they did they did see me, um, and I did have pneumonia, had walking pneumonia. So they thought that that was the problem. Um, Let me ask you. Um, sure. You said the doctor wouldn't see you. Was it because they thought you were having a flare with Epstein bar virus, or they, why were they not seeing you? They were treating me as a, as if I had COVID. So oh, um, okay. they would, so yeah. they're just like, let it run its course, let it run its course. You know, okay. here's what you need to do. Drink the fluids. Um, but I was also, you know, working with all of my naturopathic physicians on, you know, the ozone therapy. Um, and, um, once I got the, the pneumonia results, you know, that helped a little bit, um, because I did have pneumonia. They did a, a full x-ray and my lungs had fluid in them. Um, and then they sent a referral into an infectious disease specialist that was denied by my insurance. So I did not get that. Um, and just given the fact that I wasn't really being seen, wasn't being treated, I decided to switch doctors. Um, and I got a recommendation from a friend and went to another doctor who diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. Um, and I'm just looking through um, all my notes. Um, yeah, that was de- infectious disease was denied. And it's like, called the MD, no help. Called the MD, no help. Um, these are the, my passive aggressive notes that I leave for myself. Um, but I did. I had a fever and all the symptoms. Um, I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia in June of 2020. Um, and by this time, I was doing hyperbaric uh, oxygen therapy. Um, and I was doing, um, UV ozone therapy. Um, so I can explain those if you want me to go into greater detail or people can Google what those are, but, um, they're basically, you know, ways to boost your immune system and, you know, they were working and then they would, you know, stop working and we would try something else and it would work for a little while and then it would stop working. Um, so I was prescribed a, a, a fibromyalgia drug and I had a severe allergic reaction to it. Oh, wow. um, and I was able to get a breathing test from a pulmonologist and my, all of my breathing, the breathing test came back completely normal, even though I didn't feel like I could breathe. 
Um, Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Um, before you got the symptoms after the concert, um, how was your health before that? Good question. I was, um, I was a healthy human being. I did yoga every day. I went to, I was a yoga instructor. Um, I was eating an Ayurvedic diet. I was taking the dog for a walk every day. So I was getting 30 minutes of, of walking the dog, at least 30 minutes of yoga every day. And I was eating a fully Ayurvedic diet and I was probably the healthiest I'd ever been in my life. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you went from that to this journey. Okay. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yes. Um, so after the allergic reaction incident, and once I, um, you know, I was trying all, all of these treatments that all of these wonderful doctors were, you know, let's try it one more time. Okay, let's try something else. Um, and these were the naturopathic physicians that were really kind of like, all right, let's find the root cause. Let's find the root cause. Um, I ended up changing primary care providers to a naturopathic physician. Um, um, and she was treating me for fibromyalgia for Epstein-Barr. And I think sort of was recognizing that I was having new symptoms and my symptoms were constantly changing, which is the sign of long COVID. Mm. So we think that I had COVID in March and we think that my long COVID began in May, which is very standard where you usually get about a, a month break. And then all of a sudden um, all your systems just start to fail. So wow. um, okay. yeah. So um just looking through my notes, I ended up um, having to give, I started reducing my hours at work uh, down to 20 hours a week. Um, I had to hire additional staff just to sort of help with the workload. I was reading between, I made a $40,000 budgeting error, which is not uh, normal for me. And it wasn't serious. And it was just, you know, okay, let's create the budget for next year. And let's look at this, you know, and my treasurer said, look at this, you know, we already made this money, so it's not a deficit. And I, that's when I knew that I was, um, my ship was sinking and I was taking right. the ship down with me. And so I, you know, I talked to, um, they're all my friends <laughs> at this point. I talked to my board and I just said, you know, I'm not doing well. And, you know, so we talked through, you know, do you want to take a medical leave of absence or do you want to look at, you know, getting an interim uh, executive director? And, and I, so I gave them three months notice uh, just because I knew I wasn't getting better and having any kind of deadline of when I was going to have to go back to work was not going to help my illness. It wasn't going to help me mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was, my favorite job. <laughs> I loved it. And it was something that was really hard to leave behind. Um, and it was hard to leave all of them behind. There were a lot of tears. I'm not going to cry right now, but, um, it was definitely, uh, an emotional process. And it was honestly, it was them, um, that said, you have to put yourself first and, you know, everything else is secondary to you being alive and being healthy. And so, um, by, I, I, I ended up having to quit quit my job in October of 2020. And I've been um, trying to get on disability since, and I've been on unemployment um, since. 
um, which is due to run out in September. And they're saying on average that disability claims are running about 280 days. Um, and I filed mine about eight months ago. So wow. sitting and waiting on that. Um, so I kept trying different things. I was in bed. Um, usually, uh, I would get up for breakfast with the kids and then go back to bed and then get back up for dinner to be with the kids and go back to bed. So on average, I was probably seeing my children about 45 minutes a day. Um, we had five forest fires in Oregon. And so my mom had to evacuate. Um, and we were in, uh, stage two, which was get ready to go and be ready to evacuate as soon as possible. Um, so my mom had to move in and saw really kind of how, how sick I actually was. And she moved in full time to help care for my children. I have a, a four-year-old and a six-year-old and my husband was working full-time and taking care of me and the children and the laundry and the cooking and everything. I couldn't do anything. Um, I, you know, I could barely get in the shower by myself. Um, so then the rest of the family really sort of everyone stepped up. I'm lucky that I live so close to my family. So my sister, my mother-in-law and my mom, you know, each took a day and my husband took a day. And, and so that the kids had, had care. We weren't able to get childcare because of, you know, we didn't know what I had or if I was, if I could pass anything to anybody else and I couldn't get sick from anybody else. And so we really had to keep our, our pod very small. Um, yeah. Let me ask you another question. Yeah. Um, you got all of this. Did your husband get any symptoms? Did anybody in your family? We think right around that two week period, you know, both of the kids had a little something and Mike had a little something, but it wasn't anything you know, and my husband has a uh, really severe asthma and it didn't hit anybody as hard as it hit me. Wow. Um, so it's possible. Um, you know, my husband and I are now vaccinated um, because there was there were studies that showed that the vaccine was helping long haulers. Um, so I, my first vaccine I did get and I had no symptoms for seven days and then they all came crashing back. Wow. And then I had my second vaccine and I was crawling, you know, because I got the Pfizer and I had to wait, I think three weeks or a month. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it didn't, it didn't really help with the, the symptoms. Um, so we're lucky in that I was so far, I was the only one that has, has had this in the family. Um, and we were, you know, very careful about who we saw and, you know, everyone on the street knew that I, <laughs> that I had something and no one, you know, people would see me outside. And <laughs> if I was able to get outside and just put my feet in the grass, just to be in nature for, you know, five mm -hmm. minutes and the neighbors would scurry. So it was definitely, um, an interesting feeling. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And I know everyone was feeling isolated during that time. Um, but I was in my bedroom. Yeah. So were you also, under all of that, were you also isolating yourself deliberately from your family? 
I had to for the first, I would say the first three weeks after my first symptom. Yeah. Um, my husband moved down and, and was sleeping in the basement um, and we fully isolated. So they would leave me food uh, outside my door and he was sanitizing all the doorknobs and I wasn't allowed to see the kids for three weeks. Oh. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, the longevity of being bedridden, um, my daughter was drawing, you know, she draws what she sees. And so she was drawing our family pictures like kids do. And it was, you know, my son and my husband and my daughter all standing and I was laying in bed in her drawings. So there was a lot of, um, there was a lot, I was, um, the mom guilt, the guilt, you know, I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good partner. Like what do I have to contribute to anything or anyone? I was so far down. I call it, you know, I was down in the deep, deep well. I felt like a wounded animal in a cave. Um, and my symptoms were so um, uh, prevalent and really, you know, everyone's symptoms are different. They're, they're saying there are 207 symptoms of long COVID now. Um, I think I had about 30 of them. Um, and mine were really in my head. So I have encephalitis of the brain, which is swelling of the brain, um, which is similar uh, to Parkinson's disease, it's similar to dementia, and it's similar to traumatic brain injury. So um, I'm going to read you my list of symptoms if you're curious. Maybe the, the heavy hitters. Uh, the heavy hitters. Um, the, I had migraines. I had COVID migraines, which don't don't go away. So I had a migraine every day for weeks at a time. Um, no amount of migraine medication was helping. So any sound that I would hear would set me off and I'd have to go put my headphones, my silencing headphones on my eye pillow on and go lay in a dark room. Um, sometimes all day, sometimes for a week, sometimes for two weeks and, um, you know, sensory issues, light and sound. I couldn't handle, I was wearing sunglasses. Um, and it was really, the brain fog was horrible. Um, so I would, and I'm still coming out of it. Um, but I would walk in a room and be like, why am I here? Walk out of the room, you know, how you walk out of the room and you re remember, and then you walk back in and you do the thing you're supposed to do. I couldn't remember. So I'd leave, right. You need to make the kids lunch, walk back in the kitchen. Why am I here? Leave okay, make the kids lunch, walk back in the room, can't remember, leave, make myself a note, make the kids lunch, walk in the kitchen, look at the note, make the kids lunch. That's how bad my memory was. So I, I couldn't retain information. Um, I, I had virtually no short-term memory at all. Uh, the, the depression uh, was crushing. I'd never been on antidepressants before. Um, and I was, I, I had to get on antidepressants because I was suicidal. Um, thank goodness for antidepressants because I don't know where I would have been otherwise. Um, the fatigue was debilitating, you know, having literally uh, no energy to walk to the mailbox, which is a hundred feet from the house. I couldn't even do that. Um, and 
then I um, stopped being able to eat and my digestive system stopped working completely. So um, I stopped being able to pass urine and feces. Um, and my husband was like, okay, this is where we're at. Let's get you some insure. Let's get you Pedialyte. And let's just try and get, you know, a calorie is a calorie at this point. Um, I was down to 109 pounds, uh, in April of this year. Um, and how much, um, how much weight did you lose? 25 pounds in two months. And, uh, I'm still, I'm, I think I'm probably about 113. So I'm getting my appetite back. Um, food tastes good, (laughs) which is exciting. Um, because before, you know, maybe a piece of toast, uh, but it was, you know, I would have my husband tell me, you know, can you please tell me to eat three more bites? Like I'm a child and he'd say, please eat three more bites. And then I would try and get the three more bites down. And then, you know, all of the energy then went to trying my body, trying to digest the food Mm -hmm. and it didn't have any energy for anything else. And so I'd have to go back to bed. Um, And that's when I realized, I think I'm dying because my system is shutting down and I'm not able to even process food. I'm not, I'm not urinating. I'm not defecating. And so what am I really looking at here? Um, And so I was part of a long haul group uh, and I posted, well, okay. I want to back up a little bit. I did. uh, I did end up taking a few COVID tests that were negative, but they were so far after my, my onset of symptoms. Um, And then someone emailed me and I don't know how they got my information. Don't care. uh, Because they said, you know, we, we've, we've gotten your information. We actually have a long haul test it's an index test and you know, it's $480, but if you take it, you'll, you'll know if you have long haul, long haul COVID or not. And I was like, well, fine, whatever, you know, at this point I was spending $800 a week on on supplements and doctor's appointments. And so, um, where was the test um, being offered? Like you were going to take the test, but what was that through? Um, I think it was bio and it was, I can get this for you. It was bioanalysis or bio some bioanalysis, something, um, see, I don't have, it's in my medical records downstairs. Um, so it, it was a, it was a spit test, uh, and a urine test. And so, um, there were certain things I couldn't eat before. And so I followed all the directions and took the test and on the long haul index test that they've created, anything under a five means you have long COVID. Anything over a five means that you don't. And my score was a 1.6. So I definitely have long haul. It was, and that was sort of like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. This is yeah. what I'm really dealing with. And it's not fibromyalgia because if it was five, maybe it is, you know, I think I'm out of the fibromyalgia flare. I'm out of the Epstein bar mm-hmm. flare. Um, but I never got out of the long COVID flare. Right. And, and so when you got that confirmation what was the date of that because this all started from march 13th uh so i took the test good question i took the test in migraine 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 april of 2021 
Um, you took the long hauler test in April, 2021. Yeah. So about a year after So over a year, over a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. let me ask you, um, <laughs> when you were going through you, your family, your community, going through all of that, did you all think you had, I mean, did you know there was a term long hauler? You're like, I know I have it. I just need proof. Yes. I knew something was not right. And my doctors kept saying, you're in a flare, you're in a flare. And I'm like, when is this going to end? This isn't, you know, and, you know, my fibromyalgia pain points had stopped hurting. And I had all these new symptoms that they couldn't really categorize into anything else. Um, And, you know, at this point, because of my job and what I had to do and the access to medical records and information that I, that I, that I had because of my job, um, I really was pretty certain that I had it. Um, Mm -hmm. and my doctor thought I had it too. And so it, it was, you know, it was proof that, that yes, this is, this is what you have, but then it was okay. Now what Mm -hmm. now? what? Because you know, I was looking at the, the information at the time, which said that about, you know, 10% of people that get COVID get long haul, mm-hmm. which is a, a huge amount. Once you start adding up the data and the number of people in Oregon, I think at the time was like, you know, if, if you did the math, it was about 75,000 people. Um, and that For was just Oregon long haulers. Mm-hmm. The state of Oregon for the state of Oregon. And then you start thinking oh about God. disability or unemployment and you're averaging about $55,000 per person per year. And then you look at the five-year trajectory and you're looking at trillions of dollars. Wow. So, um, so that was scary uh, for me, but for everyone else. And, you know, I could see this big giant wave of, Oh no, coming right. Mm-hmm. The, the money, um, uh, the lack of education around long haul, the fact that all of these people didn't know what they had. And, uh, so I posted on this long haul group, has anyone gotten a hundred percent better? And out of 300 people, one person said yes. And this person was Elizabeth Lynn Fisher, um, who also has um, Epstein-Barr and is a long, long hauler. And um, she ended up going down to Mexico to die um, because that's where her body felt best that, that, you know, their food, the food there is um, not as processed as, as the food in the United States and her body could tolerate it a little bit better. And she just she said to her husband, you know, if, if I'm going to be anywhere, I just want to be, you know, at, at, in this town in Mexico with you watching the sunset and, and to die happy there with you. So, um, so she, again, by the grace of whoever, uh, people in town were telling her, you know, you should try stem cell therapy because that's what they're treating everyone in Mexico for, for COVID and for long COVID. And she took her, she had her first treatment on April 1st and immediately could feel a difference and immediately, immediately. 
And she went from not eating, she weighed about the same amount. I think she weighed 113 pounds. She was living on a a carnivore only diet because she couldn't eat anything else Mm -hmm. because of, she had all of these other health problems and uh, had a histamine allergy and now she can eat anything she wants. And so, so I, you know, sent her a message and I said, what did, you know, what did you do? And she said, well, here's what I, here's what I do. And, you know, I'm, we're trying to build this business to get people down here to connect them to the doctors, because this seems to be the only thing that's actually working for people, um, in a, in a, in a shorter term, uh, timeframe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure there's, there are cognitive behavioral therapists, there are, you know, MRIs and CT scans and all of these things that you can get, which I'm still waiting on. Um, and, uh, so I called her on Monday and I was on a plane on Wednesday. Uh, this would have been in, yeah, May, May of 2021. So I had my first stem cell treatment on May 28th. And I'm looking at May 28th. It says uh, migraine. It says stem cell treatment number one. And on May 29th, it says best day. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I started immediately the next day on the 30th tapering off of my antidepressants. Um, And my migraines started to go away. And I'm just looking and I'm, I'm saying like, I started tracking my exercise, I was able to exercise again, I started doing yoga again. Uh, How quickly after that? So you your symptoms started going away the next day, how soon were you able to exercise again? um, Two days. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my God. Okay. That is a bloody miracle. It is a bloody miracle. It is a bloody miracle. It is a bloody miracle. Oh yeah. It's the passionate health advocate dance break. Now get up and shake your thing. So then I got in a car accident. <laughs> um, so I was supposed to wait a month before I went back down. But two weeks after, on June 12th, we got net, we got rear-ended by an F-150. And all of my symptoms came roaring back. Oh. And so I ended up getting um, getting my MRI at the emergency room. Um, and I... I was, I was worried because of my encephalitis that I, you know, could have something really bad happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I was unfortunately not able to get the care that I needed in the United States. Um, I wasn't able to get, uh, I was in pain. I wasn't able to get pain medication. Um, and the t- treatments that the doctors were recommending, um, magnesium and fish oil were not as powerful as what I needed for what I was dealing with. Um, and I, I don't think they even knew what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called Lynn <laughs> and, um, 
I was back in Mexico five days later, and I had another my second set, set, set of stem cell treatments that week, and everything went away again. Wow. Oh so gosh. I just got back from my third treatment. So each treatment I've, I've been able to have a, a few more million. So I started with 25 million stem cells, then 50, and I just went up to 75. Um, and every treatment I get better and better and more clear. And um, I believe in this treatment so much that I, uh, when I was there for my, my first treatments in May, I said, don't be mad, but I'm building you a website, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like let's look at what it's doing for me. And mm-hmm. now I, like, I believe in this so much that I want to help other people. Um, and no one, because of the FDA laws in the United States, the types of stem cells that you're able to get in the United States are cryogenically frozen, they're modified, and they're only, um, you have to be within two, not, um, like if you, you have a child, you can use your child's stem cells, but beyond that, you are not able to, and, um, they don't allow mesenchymal stem cells, uh, unless you're part of a clinical trial in the United States or umbilical cord stem cells in the United States, unless you're part of a clinical trial. And so those are the building block stem cells. So those are, you know, the ones that, um, give life and, uh, sustain us. And I didn't know that we stopped producing stem cells after the age of 30. So, um, and I also know now that I long COVID it, um, it creates genetic mutations in your body. And so my DNA was mutating. And so what the stem cells do is they go and they search and destroy, (laughs) they find the DNA that is, that is damaged and they replace it with, uh, with new DNA, basically with fresh DNA. Um, When you say fresh DNA, um, is it going to be your DNA? Like, so, I mean, there's probably a lot of people, I mean, I don't have, a huge wealth of knowledge when it comes yes. to stem cell yes. research and stem cell treatment. So Me, I didn't uh, either. <laughs> okay. So my first question is what type of stem cells did they use for your treatments? The ones you were saying that you need to have? Yes. So they were using um, umbilical and mesenchymal stem cells. Uh, so they, and the way that they process them in, um, in the town that I was in, um, they actually harvest them the day before your treatment. They check them for diseases and viruses, uh, and then they courier them. So you get, they're fresh. They're as fresh as they can possibly be. Um, and where are they coming from? Um, they come from Guadalajara. So about 30 minutes outside of town. So they just drive, the courier takes them, brings them to the clinic um, from the lab and you get your treatment when you're fresh stem cells that, you know, the day after or the day of harvesting. So um, they're not modified. They're not frozen. They're, um, you can't, in the United States, you can have your own stem cells taken out uh, and put back in your own body. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're ill, then you're taking your ill stem cells out 
and then putting them back in your own body. And so you can use your own stem cells, but what you really need are fresh stem cells that are, you know, that are clean and pure and disease free. Um, and that's, that's the difference. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Right. That you're thinking about it like, well, it's kind of too late because uh, I'm, I'm ill. I need to yeah, replenish. Yeah, exactly. So when you say, okay, these stem cells they're you know, you're getting the treatment um, and you said for the DNA. So how does that work? Does it code with your DNA? I mean, what, it goes after ones that are mutated, but then what does it produce? Uh it so it takes it usually it depends on how sick you are and what illness you have. Um, so if you're really sick, they they start you on a very small dose. Um, and what it does is it finds it basically finds the the systems in your body that aren't working, and it fixes them. Um, and it's like magic. I've never really, you know, seen anything or felt anything like it before. Um, and I've, I've tried a lot of different treatments. Um, you know, I have a whole, a whole list. Um, and in terms of, you know, the, the science behind how the DNA then, you know, I don't know all of the, the, the specific science, um, but I, I do have, uh, resources, that I'm happy to um, share with your listeners. And it's, you know, um, I was having, I'm just going to give personal examples because, you know, I'm, I'm my own lab rat. Right. And I was having uh, kidney pain and I couldn't figure out why. And so I went to the doctor here and I was like, I think I might have a UTI. Uh, but it, I think it was COVID. Urinary tract infection. Yeah, I didn't. I came back negative. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it's a, it takes about 30 days for the stem cells to really um, produce results for you that you can actually feel and see a difference in yourself. Um, for some people, it's immediate. For other people, you know, um, they're hoping that it, it is as immediate. And it may not always be just depending on, you know, how sick you are and, you know, the, not comorbidity, but the, the, the co-existing illnesses within the body. Sure. Um, cause there are people that have Lyme disease and Epstein-Barr virus and long haul COVID. And it's, you know, they obviously are probably going to have a, a slower time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am lucky in the fact that I am part of the naturopathic community and I was doing all of these other treatments to help boost my immune system. Um, and I think that that's why I had such a, an immediate positive reaction. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause all those other, um, diseases you're talking about are affecting the immunity. So completely it's all uh, back from that. Yeah. It's all autoimmune. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. That I'm going to say it again. It's a bloody, bloody miracle. And I can't believe you're here I to know. tell us about it. I just, I, I know I, there are no words to even say what you and your family have been going through. I just, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And now, I mean, now that you're saying it's that you're not alone, there's so many people out there um, that are probably going through the same thing. And I'm just so glad you're here to tell us, yeah. about your journey and that you found a miracle or at least yes. a miracle for you or yes. possibly another way for other people if they're yes. not getting out yes. Yes. of their deep yes. well, as you say. And I, you know, I, I did, 
I have asked providers, you know, are you aware of this, that this is an option? Um, are you aware that, and a lot of them say, no, you know, it's not, it hasn't been in the United States. It's not part of the, their, their medical training. It's not part of their residency programs. It's not part of what they learn because it's not available here. Um, and so even the nurse that I met with, um, I'm part now able to be part of a, a long COVID um, program and they're going to be, you know, working, giving me all the different tests at some point. Um, I'm still waiting to hear on referrals about that. But, um, you know, I said, did you know that this was an option? She said, I've never heard of this. Yeah. So I'm here to, um, I want to give people hope. Uh, I want to hopefully, you know, use my story to be able to educate people on the fact that these stem cells are uh, a cure for many, many things. And um, we we took a vacation that we planned oh, a long time ago. Uh, we went to Hawaii for a week and I, I had you know, resigned myself to the fact that I, I was like, I can lay in bed anywhere. Yeah. So, so I'll just go lay in bed in Hawaii and you know, my husband and the kids can go play. And um, we got a cold when we were there my husband was sick and my daughter was, she looked at me and she started crying and she said, who will take care of us? And I said, I, I said, I will. And she just looked at me and she said, what if you get sick again, who will take care of us? And I was like, I'm not going to get sick again, honey. Dada just has a cold. I, I mean, I can take care of you now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. So the the emotional labor that that my family's been through has definitely been. Um, There's still kind of we're all just hoping that you know this continues, um, that my progress continues. Um, I've said I'll go down once a month if that's what I need to do for the rest of my life. Like, great, fine. If if I if I feel like the way I do today. Um, if that's what it takes, I will do that because the alternative was, um, you know, not looking good. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Um, congratulations. I, I don't even know if I said this. I mean, I said bloody miracle, but congratulations for you. Thank you. Um, just pulling yourself through all of that. I, I, I wow. I've just been sort of thinking of it myself as my own clinical trial. Mm -hmm. hoping that, you know, all of this information, these stacks of papers that I've been keeping and, you know, just charting everything uh, would make a difference. And uh, I think it is now I'm working with, um, there's a, a research institute in Oregon um, that is looking into uh, helping us because we've got all, I mean, we have all of the data with the doctors in Mexico, and now we have data with U.S. citizens in Mexico. So we have all this access to data. Nice. We're a data bank. Um, we just need someone that is a, you know, that knows how to do clinical trials and is a statistician <laughs> to help us really cull through the information. And, you know, my hope is that the United States will, and all countries will really look at this, not their their own national level, but really the global level. For um, sure. Yeah. Bec because, you know, the Delta wave is coming 
and Mm -hmm. uh, now children are getting long COVID. Children are. Yeah. Yeah. As young as I think 10, 10, 12 years old and in in bed, not getting out of bed, can't do sports, don't have a life uh, at 12 years old. So uh, I don't want anyone else to have to feel like that. I don't want anyone else to have to feel uh, that desperate and that unheard and to go that, that deep uh, when there is something that could help people. Um, so. Yes. Yes. And again, you went through all of that and keeping data. I just, you know, um, you're paving the road for so many people as an option for what, you know, and as you said, hope, and I just, Thank you immensely for your contribution. I just think it's really amazing. Thank you. And I'm, I, I I can't take full credit because I've had, you know, um, I, I, the, the group that, that we've started, it's called Ophelia Rises and, um, and it's our, it's our, it's our duty. We're all volunteers. No one's making a profit off of any of this. And it's our duty to, share this information and, you know, there's a, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote where, you know, once you heal, it's your job to go out and heal other people too. Mm. And so that's kind of our motto that we're, that we're working with. And so, um, well, that's a beautiful motto. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we've started a grant program to be able to get people, um, down to Mexico that can't afford it. Um, and I would just say to, to any listeners that are considering this, get your passport because <laughs> the process is long and, um, you know, get that expedited because there've been passport issues and people just, you know, I can't yeah. get there because I haven't gotten my passport yet. Yeah. Um, but we're really, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, those that can afford to go come on down and those that need help, um, in, and are, in underrepresented communities and aren't being heard and don't have access to good quality care and don't have access to medical care. You know, that's really, we're trying to catch those people. Um, and I have not done this alone and I've had, you know, the support of Ophelia rises to really help me rise. Wow. Well, thank you and all of them. Um, For the listeners that, you know, taking notes, especially if you know somebody that's dealing with long haul or yourself, uh, what's, what do you have an email address? How can they, so they can find us on, uh, we have a website. It's Ophelia rises.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Ophelia rises. Uh, we're on Twitter, Ophelia rises. We're on Instagram, Ophelia rises. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm running their social media platforms. So <laughs> okay. come, bring them, bring them. If anyone comes, you, you will be helped. So, Oh, that's so wonderful. And how do you spell that? Uh, good question. I have to write it down because I was never good at spelling bees. Just give me one moment. Just for listeners that are doing audio so they can, they know how to type it in there and what to look for. Yep. So it's O P H E L I A. R I S E S dot org, Ophelia rises dot org. Um, and 
I'm headed back down there in a month. So maybe I will see, maybe I will see some of your listeners. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's the hope. I mean, right now it's August. I know this is going to air October uh, a little later in yep. October. So, okay. um, but maybe, yeah, maybe you will in October for sure. Yeah. Um, how did you get the name? Where does the name of that come from? So, um, so Elizabeth Lynn Fisher, who is the founder of Ophelia Rises, um, had a dream where she's got um, children, and in the dream, she was trying to save her children. Someone was trying to attack her children and take her children away. And she got all of her children safe, safe, except for a baby named Ophelia. And she doesn't have a baby named Ophelia. And she woke up out of the dream and was like, what is this about? And Googled, you know, the name Ophelia, which actually comes from uh, Hamlet Mm. written by William Shakespeare. Um, And the idea is that uh, Ophelia you know, her, her father was murdered, her, you know, fiance, you know, was not kind to her and told her to go to a nunnery and everyone called her mad and didn't believe her and no one gave her a hand to help her up. And the idea behind Ophelia Rises is that, you know, you don't have to drown in the water we are here to help give you a hand up and help you rise and help you become the person that you deserve to be. So. Wow. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Yeah. I was very, I was like, there's gotta be a story behind the name. So thank you for sharing that. Yep. And the story, the full story is on the website. If people are curious. So Lynn, Lynn goes into her whole, her whole story about how it all came to be. So. Wow. Okay. So this, um, advocacy program that you have getting people, especially people that don't have any medical resources, all of that. It's just like really get them there to try the stem yeah. cell research. Yes. What's happening? You know, did you, what about people in Mexico or people from other parts of the world? Do you know what's going on with that? So people in Mexico are, are treating, uh, they're, they're actively treating patients that have COVID and long COVID with long haul COVID with stem cells with mesenchymal and with uh, umbilical cord stem cells. Um, The issue is there's something called medical tourism. Yes, I'm fully aware of that. (laughs) Yes. And so the the ranges um, um, are for one treatment anywhere from what we charge, which is, you know, for 20 million stem cells is about $650 to depending on where in the world you go could go uh, one treatment could be up, upwards to $50,000. Wow. So um, the doctors that we've really um, specifically decided to work with aren't in it for the money. <laughs> um, they're in it to help. Um, and I've met them all. Um, they're lovely people. I've met the, the folks that um, we work with two stem cell companies um, we've toured the facility, what pharmaceutical company will let you tour their facility? I don't know. I've never been invited. Maybe they do, um, for a patient. Uh, so, um, so, so they're, they're really, um, and, and the stem cell companies are also helping with the grant program. And so they're, 
you know, they're happy to help get people treatment um, if it means saving lives. And I think that's where we're at is that there are many lives that need to be saved. Yeah. And there are many, many people that are very, very desperate. And I was one of them. Yes, you yeah. were. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So let me ask you, because we do have listeners that are not just located in the United States. Correct. So if there are people in other countries yes. listening, yes. what do you advise for them? Uh, just go to ophelia.rises.org. We've had people come from England. We've had people... Um, Actually, we're working with people in Mexico that that want to go through our service because it, it's just easier. Mexican to to, residents, yes, yes, or residents of Mexico, I residents say. of Mexico. Uh, it's easier for them to go through our service because we do all the paperwork and oh, the doctors okay. don't have to, and so the doc, that way the doctors can see more patients and not be so focused on the paperwork. Um, so it's uh, we're not just for United States citizens. We're available to anyone all over the world. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, Where are in Mexico? Are you able to say where these treatments are? I can say that it's in the area of Jalisco, um, but the doctors have requested that I not give too much more information because um, we've had a lot of people that have been just trying to seek them out directly. Mm -hmm. uh, And we've had a few patients that have shared cell phone numbers of doctors with their friends and the doctors Uh, don't appreciate that. And so uh, we're, we're very protective of our doctors and their time because um, we want, we want to be able to get treatment. We want to maintain a good relationship and we want to make sure that other people are able to access the treatment as well. So um, we are sort of the guardians of, of their time and, um, but the 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 cells are harvested in Guadalajara, and then the the town is right outside of uh, Jalisco. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, the my gosh, yeah, everything with with COVID, you know, fighting territory we didn't know. I mean, not just people that are affected, but even doctors and, yes. and all the medicals. This yes. is all entering the unknown, and the yes. fact that you know, with your amazing skill set, not that again, like I said earlier, I'm like, I've never wished this on anybody, but you have this magical skill set that you are able to contribute to this program and know the needs of the doctors so they can continue doing their work. And then the needs of what you went through, someone that's a long hauler and, yeah. and how, even if you have money, you're falling through the cracks, you know? So imagine people that don't have the means. Um, this I, is, the, single, the single parents, you know, I can't. Yeah, yeah. When, I can't. Yeah. We hear those stories and it's, um, it's devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, kudos kudos is not a big enough word for what you're doing. I mean, I want to salute you. Like I, I'm just, uh, it's I'm just, tremendous what you've, what you've been going through. And I know I do have a sense that what's pulling you through, not only is that you're feeling better, but that you're in this big cause to help pave the road for other people and that we can get out of that. Yeah. Yes. 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 And so um, the good news is there was an article that came out yesterday that 
the United States has approved one stem cell company to start treating and doing clinical trials on patients for COVID-19. Oh, great. But if you want treatment now, Mm -hmm. um, it's available. So, and I don't know how long those trials will last and how long it will take to to roll that out in the United States. Um, But it's, uh, for me, it was not soon enough. Yeah. So, yeah. You didn't have time to wait. It didn't have time. Like. Yeah. yeah. And probably there's other people and thank God this is going out there for yes. anybody that needs to hear it. So if you're listening again, very important, um, these options for people that feel like they don't have options, um, please share, please share for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you and, have, sorry. Well, I will, I will just say, you know, um, it's not just, we're hearing from doctors, we're hearing from nurses, people that have been frontline workers uh, of all sorts, grocery stores, you know, those that have kept our civilization sort of progressing at all, um, Mm -hmm. they're patients of ours now. So um, it doesn't, this, this illness, this disease, this autoimmune issue, who knows what it is, it doesn't care who you are where you are, how much money you have, how old you are, it, it's, you know, so, uh, I just, I want people to get healthy yeah, and to not have to live like this. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, again, thank you for, for sharing all of this. Is yeah. there Anything else that you wanted to say to our listeners? Any last information or? I would just say, um, don't give up. Hope, hope is here. And what is hope worth? Yeah. 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 And I, I, I just appreciate that you invited me to be on this amazing podcast and that you're, uh, that you're advocating for real health for, for people. Um, it's so necessary and it's so needed. And there's so many conversations and information that we're not able to really share because of rules and all of those things. And, um, I know you're putting yourself out there and I just appreciate you doing that because, um, if not you, who that's kind of how I feel about what we do too. So if not, if not us, who, you know, so, Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And, you know, as you were saying this, you know, we try with the show to just give people the right information and resources. And if it resonates, then go for it. Great. Go for it. Yes. That's it. You know, Um, and not everyone is, is ready to leap and that is okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, But if you are ready to leap, we're here to catch you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, Beth, um, this has just been a very powerful uh, time talking with you. And again, I feel so honored and thank you for everything that you're doing. And I wish you and Ophelia rising all the success. I hope so many people can, can benefit. Yes. And um, it's, Oph- it's Ophelia rises. Ophelia someone rises. else, someone Sorry. else had Ophelia rising. So oh. okay, my <laughs> yes. mistake, but it just makes, maybe I'm not the only one. So I'm glad we're reiterating. Yes. Ophelia, Ophelia rises. rises. Yes. Okay. Org. yes. Okay. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> well, I wish you and all of them success and I Thank hope you. you can 
you know, help out so many more people. So thank you so much. Thank you too. Thanks for joining the Passionate Health Advocate Show with your host, Denise DeShutler. Like what you hear? Then subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.